Welcome to A Drink with a Friend. I'm Seth Haynes. And I'm Tish Oxenreiter. Oh, Tish, mm-hmm. what art thou drinking today? Well, we are talking at a time of day we don't normally chat in for various reasons. Uh, this is a little bit before lunch, so I'm drinking what I often drink in the late morning, which is my bulletproof coffee. So it's black coffee, yeah, with um, a tiny bit of butter, a drop of vitamin D, some MCT powder, <laughs> and some cinnamon. And it sounds really gross, but it's not. That's what I'm drinking. It doesn't just it doesn't just sound really gross. As I imagine the flavor profile on my palate, I <laughs> kind of want to gag a bit. Yeah, but it's good. You say you say it's good. It, it's it's legitimately good. If you like a latte that's not sweetened, then you, you would like it. But I get that people, if you if you don't want to just taste the butter without a hint of sweetness, I get how one yeah. might not like it. But also butter and coffee. I mean, I've done it before. I was with a musician once upon a time, helping with a project once upon a time. And she said, in said once upon a time, yeah. would you like to try this coffee with blended butter? Uh-huh. And I said, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> right. And she said, um, it is not disgusting. So try it. And I did. And it was actually okay. Yeah. But then I tried it later, and it was not. I I don't know. It was either something I didn't do right, or that <laughs> she knows a secret, or maybe she right. put sugar in it. I don't know. But it was not as good when I did it. Yeah, it's you got to figure out your own formula. Like you've got to find the recipe that works for you. There's a million out there. So yeah, I get it. What are well, you drinking? My recipe did not work. I I am so yeah. As you said, we're drink we're talking at a time we don't normally talk, and so I am drinking the dregs of my morning coffee, mm. which are cold. But I was just on another call before we started talking, so I didn't have time to refresh my cup of coffee. Right. So I'm drinking old cold coffee. Oh, gosh, that's so sad, but totally fair. I get it's it. It's awful. Uh, yeah. Well, as as soon as we're done, you can go get a hit of something better. So. Yeah, I will. I probably will. Mm-hmm. I probably will. All so, right. Anyway. Yep. Okay. So, so Tish, tell me, tell me, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm actually doing quite well. I mean, other than, you know, if we're just getting real talk here, um, you know, one of the reasons I couldn't share with you on the journey of no social media is because I have a book that has just come out. And I am very grateful for the opportunities I can talk about this book. But if I'm being honest, it, it, it's surprising how talking about Lent six to 10 times a week can take a toll on one's, um, I don't know, demeanor. Is that the right word? Mindset, mindset, mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not depressed or anything. I just, I was telling Kyle the other day, like, Lent hasn't even started for 2022 yet at the time of this recording. And I've already felt like I've lived through it and I'm ready for Easter. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> yeah. You are, you are doing Lent pre-Lent. Right. You're, you're pre-Lent Lenting. Exactly. And I don't think it's fair to do this, but you know, a lot of times on these podcasts that I've been on, they will ask me, what are you going to fast from this year? And I usually don't know because I still don't know. But I was telling Kyle, I think I'm tempted to fast from Lent this year. And I don't think that will work in a year when I've got a book about Lent, but it feels that way I'm right now. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. But I do have an idea. I have a great idea. Mm-hmm. What? I think you should fast 
from talking about Lent during Lent. You know what? I was also joking saying, I want to tell my publicist, I'm going to fast for <laughs> being on podcasts to talk about Lent. Is that okay? Um, so yeah, I might actually do that. Like once Lent hits, I mean, we're talking at the time of this, we've still got almost a month until Ash Wednesday. So <laughs> I've got to power through. Um, here's the thing. I realize how this, how this sounds t- when someone is not aware of how it looks behind the curtain, you know, how the sausage gets made. It sounds a bit privilegy or a bit like I'm complaining about the opportunity to write a book. And I am not at all. I'm just being real in saying that it's it's work sometimes and and it's tiresome work, but I'm still grateful. Yeah. So anyway, Listen, how about work is work is work. How about you? You were just telling me that you've been so busy. It's a good thing you're not on social media anyway, because you wouldn't have time for it. Yeah, so I've just it's been a really busy season of of work uh for a variety of reasons. Really all my lines of work, which I was telling somebody this morning, that's actually a good thing, right? You want to be busy at work because that's what they call job security. <laughs> so that's positive. Um so to some extent I'm I'm really happy uh to be busy at work, but but on the other hand, it feels like I'm fitting a lot of things in the cracks, yeah. which is not the optimal way of living. But yeah, so to that point, I'm really glad I'm not on social media right now because I really wouldn't have time for it. Mm -hmm. And in fact, last night, so here are the confessions, the confessions of a bad um, (laughs) uh, social media fast. Somebody sent me something, a Twitter thread last night, and they were it was like a group text, and they were kind of commenting on it. And so I had to jump on to understand what was happening. So I I followed the the thread uh, from the thread, my thread that I, I went to the Twitter Twitter thread. Um, and I reviewed this long tweet thread, which was blaming women for having bodies, evidently, because <laughs> that's a terrible thing. Right. And um, anyway, when I was done with it, I was like, yeah, I'm really glad not to be on here. This is like a wasteland. This is toxic sometimes. But then I remembered also, like, there's some really good stuff out there and I kind of miss some of it. Yeah. If I'm being honest, I kind of miss it. Okay. Well, let's... I, I kind of want to know more because this is what we're doing in this chat. We're just giving ourselves and our listeners an update. If you want to know what we're talking about at the start of 22, each of us decided to create for ourselves a six-month challenge. I'll link to those episodes in the show notes so you can catch up. Um, but Seth, you've chosen a social media fast for the first half of this mm-hmm. year. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's good to hear. I I like that we're going to be doing semi-regular updates because it's good for listeners to hear the good and the bad and to kind of point out that this is definitely more a, um, I don't know, a practice, like an ongoing practice more than like a goal to accomplish and to say I did it, right? I don't know. Yes, Yeah. correct, correct. So yeah, so I've been on a social media fast, and I um I've read uh, Jaron Lanier's book, uh, Ten Arguments or Ten Reasons to Quit uh, Social Media Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this month, I'm actually doing a deep dive uh, into Newport's Digital Minimalism, which I've already read, but I'm kind of taking this month to kind of like read more closely and and sort of mm-hmm. create the right uh, notes from it. And, and I think that you know a couple things. One. Lanier's book was really good, by the way. I think everybody should go read it. Yeah. Um, he he takes a really hard and fast line here about like you should cut it all off. You should, you know, uh, social media is not real connection. It's not real community. It's blah blah blah. It's you know, and and to some degree, I agree. With, I, you know, I agree with some of that. I agree with a lot of his arguments. 
But when you read Newport's work, um, it's a lot more of like, hey, know what this does for you. Know what it is as a tool. Mm -hmm. Don't elevate it to a place where it's distracting you from your actual work, uh, your deep work. Like, use it as a tool. Know your limits. Use it as it works for you. Yeah. Um, And I think what I'm finding um, as this fast wears on is that 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 approach of like, hey, know what this is know what you're doing and use it as it's best for you is actually a much more moderated approach Hmm. that actually um, I think is probably healthier. So to that point, I had a comment from one of my readers and perhaps a listener here. And um, she commented actually on the sub stack, my sub stack. And she said, Hey, I hear what you're talking about, about, you know, Twitter, sometimes being this toxic place or Instagram being a place that can suck you into the algorithm or, or this or that. She's like, but this is a commu- an online digital community too. And it takes a lot of effort too. And you wouldn't say this isn't real. Um, and she's right. She was a hundred percent right. It was a great pushback. It was a great moment of saying like, look, it, it, we're, you know, I'm not saying that digital spaces don't have their place Hmm. and they don't have their uses. And I'm not saying that forms of digital community are bad. They're not. Hmm. I mean, there, there are some very good forms of digital community. And I think I even talked about that on our first episode, um, particularly with respect to Facebook groups for medical conditions or for people struggling with a certain thing or, or just book chats that happen on Facebook or whatever. Um, I'm not saying that digital community is all bad, but I think that what I'm learning is that it's really important to set boundaries and parameters around the way you use it so that social media Mm -hmm. works for you and not the other way around. Um, yeah. And I think I'm learning that. Well, and I will argue, um, kind of to push back on your subscriber that I think has a valid point is that there at the same time is something different between a Substack community and a social media community, namely um, ownership and um, con- control and perhaps the built-in user interface that is meant to be addictive for advertising versus actually fostering a community. And that's what I have found is a difference between cultivating a community, because I think ultimately what you're saying here is it's, you're not against online communities at all. And so um, it's a matter of intentionality and being aware of what we're doing and not just signing away our attention to a big faceless void of people in Silicon Valley. That's right. And to Charlotte is the reader's name to her credit. um, Hi, Charlotte, if you're listening to Charlotte, she, she said that. Charlotte said that exactly. She said, uh, listen, you know, there, there may be these nuanced arguments about control or monetization or algorithms or those, you know, those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, like, just think through the way you're talking about online community. And I think that's a really valid point. I think the, the, the point is there may be some people out there who use Twitter in a very different way than I use it. And so they're not sort of sucked into those algorithms or sucked into those more toxic parts of Twitter. I, I know people that claim that and I believe them, mm-hmm. right? There may be some people that use Facebook communities in ways that are very good for their personal well-being or for their business and are able to avoid those sort of more negative aspects. And if that's true of them, that's great. Like, go do that. Um, I've talked over and over again on this show about how 
Instagram is not addictive to me. Mm-hmm. It's a place of beauty for me. I curate it very carefully. Um, I follow people very intentionally. I post things very intentionally that aren't really designed to like, you know, jack anyone's algorithm. Um, and so for me, Instagram is a place of, of great health and I really miss it now that I'm not there. I'm not, I'm not seeing the art and the beauty that was typically, um, you know, in five or 10 minutes of my day. So I, I miss that. And I miss it as mm. a creative outlet. I don't really miss Twitter. I don't really miss Facebook at all. Um, but for me, Substack is the place that really works for me because I'm able to really curate it and channel energy and find other creators that are sort of curating and channeling energy. And so it works for me. Yeah. And that's the kind of online community that I want to be a part of and that I'm glad to curate. And I'm glad to help others curate. So, mm. so I think part of, I, I mean, I think to, to sort of put a button on this topic, um, and actually r- reminds me, you know, when, you probably have this experience, right? When you were a young mom, everyone telling you how to mom, do you remember that? Mm. Everyone, would always be, everyone would always be like, they're telling me that I should baby-wise my kid or that I should spank my kid or that I should feed them only whole foods or that I should whatever. Yeah, it goes to show what parenting is like because I totally forgot about that till yeah, you just mentioned it. But yes, I do remember now. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, it, and it really is such a judgmental space, you know? And, and I think it's easy for people to, to believe and get on their high horse and believe like this is the thing that you should be doing. I do think everyone should take a social media fast for a season just to see what it feels yeah. like, to see, to detox and to see like what draws me in negative ways, what's good for me, what's bad for me, those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but Charlotte's comment and even me thinking about like, man, I kind of miss the photography of Instagram. Um, it, it allows me to, to step back and say, okay, maybe there's not a one size fits all approach to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I dive deeper into digital minimalism this month, I'm really sort of excited to, to, to nuance, yeah. you know, my thoughts about social media. I, I definitely think we all need some form of an internet, I mean, social media fast, because I, I can just hear the pushback from a listener right now saying, it's fine, I'm not addicted. And you very well may be correct, but you also may not know whether or not you are. And you might be in ways in maybe a subtler way that you're not aware of. And if you truly aren't, then I would say you're a better person than most of us, because I think most of us are, not because we're terrible people, but because that's inherently in the system. Addiction is a feature and not a bug of social media. And so if you are somehow miraculously not addicted, then then you've got some sort of elixir that makes you an X-Men mutant of (laughs) being able to scroll social media, because that's just not how it works. And for me, and I know we've talked about this before, but Instagram is is the opposite for me than it is for you. And so it's interesting how you feel about it to me because it just conjures up all sorts of weird things in me. And yet Twitter is not as hard for me as it is for you. And when I think of the connections I've made on Twitter, some of the people that I genuinely feel like are friends because of Twitter, it makes me wonder, and this is probably, I'm probably answering my own question. It all has to do with um, how you curate your feed, which we talked about already in a couple episodes ago about the idea of curation, um, who you follow and the topics you care about and all that. And I've been working on that with my Instagram. I mean, here's the thing. I'm talking about this. I haven't been on Instagram in like two weeks because it does not hold a pull for me. And in fact, something that's interesting I find whenever I'm in this book publicity phase is that a lot of people in that world 
equate Instagram with the internet. Like, hey, have you shared yet about this sort of thing? And they mean on Instagram. They're not even like clarifying that they are referring to Instagram. To them, sharing equals Instagram. And that to me is really concerning because I think that's a lot of people's base of connecting with people if they're going to connect via the internet. And I don't know, that to me, that just rubs me the wrong way big time and why I'm such a big fan of these independent newsletters because I've, I'm training myself to go there first when I feel the need to see how someone is, you know? Um, yeah. And so, I don't know, I just find, to me, it just feels a bit concerning. And then here's a question I actually have for you, especially related to Instagram, because I know you do have kind of a, a softer spot for that space than others, um, is that it is owned by Meta. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on participating in that whole beast by way of Instagram. I mean, I think we're, I, you know, I think as a society, we're far beyond sort of parsing out and judging corporates as corporations as whole holes instead of parts. I mean, this is a much deeper philosophical conversation. Um, it, you know, there's a time is coming. It's probably not too far away when, when, you know, all of us, um, are going to be using a meta product or a Google product or an Apple product. I mean, the, the, the concentrations of technology in the market are so thick that it's hard to get away from it. I mean, I was reading this morning about the large suitors, uh, for Peloton. And it's exactly who you would think it would be, yeah. right? It's Amazon, it's Apple. it's so, so if you own a Peloton and they're acquired, you're all of a sudden going to be in one of these massive, you know, conglomerate corporations. So, you know, what I try to do instead of, of taking some huge political or philosophical stance on a company as a whole as I try to look at the products that I'm actually involved in and saying, like, what does this do for me? How does this affect and, 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 you know, affect me in particular? Hmm. Um, because I think those other questions are so large. To be honest, I'm not sure that we're made to answer those questions. Um, and it's, you know, I don't know if you've, it's a basic fundamental logical premises, but it's for those of you who've, who've also watched The Good Place, this is a huge question in the good place. Yeah. Um, the TV show is, is how do you function in a world and in a system that is innately designed to do harm no matter what you do? You know, if I uh, am, am off social media altogether, then to some degree, I'm disconnected from modern forms of connectivity. And that may not be the best. Yeah. However, if I'm involved, you know, in uh, using meta products or Twitter products or whatever, then I'm to some degree um, enhancing the addictive uh, qualities um, of social media. And that's not good either. So I, I think at the end of the day, we have to st step back and stop and look at our own lives and say, hey, look, what is good for me? What is advancing my particular good mm -hmm. um what's what's forming my spirituality what's forming my thought processes um how am i remaining independent of the machine those sorts of things yeah. i think those are much more important questions than hey i'm on instagram ergo i'm 
I'm fundamentally supporting Meta. Like, look, I think Mark Zuckerberg's creepy as hell. Mm-hmm. Like we all yeah. do. We everyone thinks that. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have some contributions to the world that might be positive. <laughs> it's interesting. I feel a little bit like I there is a there is nuance here, right? There is a line that we have to decide where we fall on. And I think you might be slightly on one side and might be slightly on the other, but we're saying similar things because I struggle with the idea of not only do I not want to get myself addicted, I don't want to be complicit in other people's addictions. And so there are times when I feel like as a creator of content on the internet, I hate that term, but I can't Mm -hmm. think of another way. I don't want to be complicit in someone else's doom scrolling or maybe not doom scrolling because I don't really I don't provide anything to be doomsday-ish about, maybe, except for what we're talking about right now. Um, But I don't know. I just feel a bit like, am I complicit in the machine whenever I'm posting on something like Instagram and I'm telling people it's a good idea to consume other people's lives? You know, like if I'm going to post about what I had for breakfast, am, am I in some ways guilty of of feeding into someone's narrative that's false that says you should keep up with all these people that you don't know. And so, and I realize these are philosophical questions that we don't have hard answers for because this is unknown territory. Um, You know, but since this show is about sacramentality at its core, and we're talking about the idea of finding God in all things and peeling back the layer to see what's really there. I guess these are my questions about things like the the metaverse. Like it's all a fake version of what's really there. And at some point, you know, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but I also feel like saying I'm mm-hmm. there's gonna be a time when I might have to say I can't contribute to this, even similar sure. to like slavery in the 19th century. Like, yeah, this is the system, but I just can't. And I might have to lose my work or lose my livelihood and have to figure out something else. But I can't sleep at night otherwise. So I don't know. But you have, yeah, but you have to find the right analogs. And this is where, you know, a philosophical approach to anything is, is, is important, but finding the right analogs for your philosophy is super important. So the analog can't be, uh, for instance, I don't want to contribute to the addiction of others. Mm. That, that is, um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not picking on you necessarily, but that is like, that's a more that's a moral equivalency that that's a, an incorrect uh, philosophical stance because there are scores of other places in our lives where we have zero problems yeah. contributing to the potential addiction of others. Yeah. Here's a great example: Do you ever have a glass of wine? Right. Yeah. Okay. So you do. So you so you pay a winemaker to make the wine that you can drink in moderation, right? But that props up their industry to therefore make more wine that some people consume to excess. Yeah. So if we were going to try to cut out all the things that lead to addictions in others, yeah. then then that's that's the kind of, of, yeah. of life that we simply couldn't live. Now, on the other hand, uh, the equivalency that you make of, I don't want to live in a false reality or in a false version of the real... Now, that might actually be something that from a philosophical perspective, you can live into in all areas of your life. Um, And you can moderate those things without effect on anyone else. And it's really more of a personal formation issue. And I think that's my 
my overarching point is that when we when we try, and I've done this. I mean, this is the, the beginning's version of my social media fast, and it's the thing I'm learning is hmm. is when we when we push into uh, these thoughts, we need to begin to 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 or, or these sorts of fasts. We need to pull apart the thoughts, pull apart. You know, what part of me is making this some sort of like highbrow moral equivalency and what part of me is just saying like, I don't like this and I don't want to be a part of it because it's not good for my soul, my personal soul. And if we can make, if we can start to make those very fine distinctions, then I think we can make room for others who, who might disagree with us or come up with different stances. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, we don't want to go all... I can't think of the right term, but Benedict option, where we just like totally. go into a cave and just say, we're going to live our our holy Christian sacramental lives over here. And you guys just enjoy the destruction of Rome over there. Um, it's yeah, I think, I mean, in some ways, this is a new issue, but in other ways, this has been an issue f- for all of human history, right? Like, where do you live right. a good, good, worthwhile life, even amongst the muck, you know? So, yeah, yeah that's right. Good question. That's right. And I think that's, that's, that leads me to asking you, yeah. what are you learning since you've been sort of taking your uh, fast from big box, <laughs> big box shopping? Is that the right way to say it? Getting your stuff yeah. from big corporations that are maybe located in <laughs> places near Silicon Valley? Or or Portland or wherever. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So um, just the 10 peso reminder is that for the next six months, I'm doing what I can to have us, our family live a hundred mile radius life. So that just means the resources we get and what we participate in as much as I can help it come from that area. Um, yeah. Overall, it's a net positive, but I'm not going to sugarcoat the challenges. So that's that's the general update. I wrote a piece in my Substack, which I can link to, um, just giving a little update about shopping for food. And it was a little bit insightful. You know, the first few weeks I would go to the grocery store and it just took a long time because I would look at the um, location on every single package. And it was there was value in that. There is value in that, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where it breaks down, and this is probably what we're getting to um, regarding your same thing that we were just talking about and um, relating to the good place is, uh, you know, I can look at the bag of tortilla chips and see that this was made or this was manufactured in San Antonio, Texas. Great. That's within my 100 mile mm-hmm. radius. But who's to say the corn was grown there? Who's to say yeah. all the other things? And so you start, if you just start asking yourself all these questions and you try to do something 100% perfectly, you're going to lose your mind. It reminds me of In the Good Place. Yeah. I forget the yeah. name of that character that was up in Canada that basically ate radishes and recycled his urine to yeah. drink. Yeah. Yes. Um, right. And that's perhaps not what I think the point is or what God really wants for us. And so... Um, to me, it all comes down to the questions of, am I doing what I can with what I have? Right. And then yeah. the, the second question, I got this from, um, a couple months ago, Matt Frad wrote or had some episodes where he was talking about how he got rid of a smartphone and why his life has been better. He's got this thing called a wise phone, which I find interesting. And I've been looking at, I'm not quite ready yet to take the plunge, but it's interesting. Um, he said the overarching question he's been asking himself for 
all sorts of reasons is, which inconveniences am I willing to put up with for a more beautiful life? And Mm. his point there is saying that this new type of this wise phone he got is actually inconvenient. He's not pretending like it's just the same as his iPhone. Um, He had a hard time getting like he was traveling and he couldn't get an Uber. So he had to like call the hotel lobby to ask for a taxi. Um, He had to print out his airplane, airline tickets, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But what he was saying is he's learning that those are inconveniences he's willing to put up with. And that's, I guess what I'm thinking about a little bit regarding this. It's not so much that this is easier. I mean, if it were easier, we'd be doing it already, you know, as our default. And so the point is for me not to look at what's the easiest way I can do this, but which inconveniences am I willing to put up with? And that's what I'm experimenting with these few months. Like, is this worth it or not? And so I'm, I'm looking forward to to finding out what I think uh, halfway through this year. Um, But I will say so far, it's been nice. Like a few days ago, Kyle and I drove to a farm 30 minutes away to get milk and beef and cheese. And the drive there and the drive back, you know, backcountry roads kind of became our cheap date. We just talked yeah. and, and enjoyed the the view and the sunset. And that's, you know, I don't know if we're always going to do that, but it was kind of a nice little like, huh, I wouldn't have done this a few months ago. I would have just run to the grocery store and gotten what we needed and then, you know, moved on with our day. So, yeah. 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 And I think another thing that you pointed out that I think is really key and again like i i get tired of i get tired of constantly talking about privileges and privileged conversations but I, but i do think there's a i mean i see a thread even in what you're talking about i mean you live in austin so you have austin san antonio is houston within 100 miles just outside it's 175 miles and i have had okay i've i've made some that that's i'm going to talk about that in a second actually keep with your thought <laughs> Well, I mean, my my yeah, my thought is like y- you have some really amazing yeah. stuff within a hundred miles of you, and if I had to prescribe everything, well, I mean, Walmart is within the oh, corporate office is within a hundred miles from me, so maybe I could justify anything. That's your local mom and pop um, shop, <laughs> right? That's exactly right. But but if I had to <laughs> keep uh, everything within a hundred miles of me, it would be very difficult. Yeah. And I think about people who live, you know, uh, in in the middle of nowhere in Kansas. Like if you had to get everything within a hundred miles of you, how difficult would that, would that would be impossible, right? Like, I know. um, Yeah. No good corn chips come out of Topeka. Well, I was just going to say to go back to the tortilla chips. I had the choice between San Antonio, San Marcos, which is on the way to San Antonio, Austin and like something else. And then there was one in New Jersey and I was like, well, that's the obvious one to cross off, but I have all these other options. So yeah, I realize the benefit of being here. Yeah, and I think I think that's another thing to remember is like even as you're going about whatever these sort of you know for you it's the hundred mile fast for me the the social media fast or or uh, whatever you know fast or challenge you're taking on I think some of that is less about the actual challenge and more about paying attention to the things that you're not doing that you would otherwise be doing or the things that you are doing that you would otherwise not be doing. Yeah. Like you would otherwise not be uh, on a back road going towards a farm to get your, you know, your stuff, right. your dairy stuff right. with, with Kyle. Right. And that was a cool moment for you that now you're like, that's kind of fun. Let's do that again. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was going to say this and I'm wondering if you feel the same way with yours. Um, I'm finding that... 
I'm I'm finding more entertainment in just living my life. Like I don't feel as much a need to add some form of entertainment in order to assuage, you know, boredom or something because yeah. The just living out my day to day, there's more joy to be had in it. Um, and I feel yeah. a little just more patient about all of that. Like it's kind of ridiculous yeah. to drive 30 minutes to get some milk, but I don't know. What if that becomes just my activity instead of watching something on Netflix? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad to watch Netflix. I'm just tossing that out there as an option, you know? Well, I mean, again, I think it's about examining your life and saying, what do I want to be about? So it's, yeah. it, it's, Again, we're not trying to say watching Netflix equals bad, right. um, but like, what do I want my life to look like? And if I have to, you know, shut down three hours of binging every two weeks to go do something that's really cool, like, can I, can I do that? Would it be worth it? Yeah, I think everybody would say 100%. It's totally worth yeah. it. Um, you know, one of the things that I've noticed to that point is like, now that I've been off social media, um, and I think I talked about this in either last show or a couple of shows ago, uh, I went downstairs below my office. There's a pizza place down there um, to go get a salad and a slice of pizza a couple weeks ago. And they said there's going to be a 10 minute wait. And I was like, cool. And I pulled up my Kindle app and I started reading. And so for 10 minutes in the middle of a day, when I never get to read <laughs> in the middle of a day, I just sat down and read. It was awesome. Yeah. And I would have otherwise been doing something else that was more distracting. And so yeah. I was able to fill my life with something that was more examined and slower. And it was great. Um, yeah. And so I think that's that becomes kind of the bigger point. Yeah. That the point is not you should do this or you shouldn't do this. It's more of like, hey, are you actually examining every facet of your life? Yeah. And saying sometimes these things may be good and sometimes they may be unsustainable. Yeah. And you know, to that point, it is helpful to hear me say I think that I'm not doing this 100%, you know. Um yeah. so our hobby, I, Kyle and I were just saying, I guess this is going to be our new weird hobby. Um we are trying out making our own kombucha. Like we're at the very oh. beginning um, for this reason. It might be disgusting, in which case we'll say, well, we know now that we aren't good at making our own kombucha, but we're going to try it. <laughs> and um, right. so that's one thing we're doing. Combine that with uh, we needed bigger jars and I could not find any at a local mom and pop shop. So I got them at our local big box store and I felt okay about yeah. that. And so that's kind of my point. Yeah. I didn't order them from the internet and have them brought over from China, but I did the next best thing, which is like, well, I'm going to just get them here. And, you know, that person that works at Target still lives near me and still needs to feed her kids, you know? Yeah. 100%. 100%. And so taking hard and fast positions on... A lot of this stuff, again, to go back to the good place, you know, sometimes that is unsustainable. Mm -hmm. And so we've we've got to do the best we can to just live an examined life. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I mean, I'll say just so far, another just net positive to all this is I feel like I just know people around me a little bit more. You know, it's not like I'm now best yeah, friends with awesome. farmers, but um, I don't know. You just feel a little bit like, oh, I'm aware now that there are people that do X, Y, and Z, you know, roast coffee and, and mm -hmm. milk their cows and make yeah. it available to me. And that's been nice. And I, I don't know, yeah. do you feel a little bit more of that? Like, because you're not getting any sort of social need met through social media that maybe you're noticing people around you more? No. <laughs> if I'm being honest, the answer to that's probably yeah. no. I, I mean, maybe that's true in my family. That would probably be something you'd have to have Amber on the show and ask her about. Yeah. Uh, but the truth is like, 
the, my massive substitution mm. has been reading yeah. for social media. Sure. And so for me, it's just been a different form of of information processing and take, but I feel like it's, for me, it's been healthier and more wise and more, it's slower. I get that. So I get that. I I mean, again, I think there are trade-offs. Sometimes those trade-offs are relational. Sometimes they're intellectual. Sometimes they're philosophical. Mm -hmm. uh, Sometimes they're uh, imaginary, but uh, I think that there, there are different trade-offs for different activities. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. And that's what we're going to continue to learn. I think for the next few months, I mean, it feels weird that we're talking about this and we have, all these insights and it's February. We've done this a little over a month. So I will be really curious what our June selves will say about all this. So yeah, our June selves will probably say, give me back to Amazon. Give me back to Twitter. I know we're going to be those weird Luddite, you know, we don't remember how to push buttons anymore. We'll see. (laughs) Right. That's right. That's probably right. All right. That's probably right. Well, Seth, what are you finding in your life right now that is adding more beauty? I am reading Station Eleven for the first time. Hillary Mantel. Have you read this? Oh, it's one of yeah, my favorites. So, okay, so there's an agent that I work with, and he said it's one of his favorites. About five years ago, three years ago, he sent me a copy of it, mm-hmm. um, and I read the first maybe twenty or thirty pages. Um, but I was in the middle of a really busy season of writing when he sent it to me, and so and I had all these other books that I was trying to pull together to source. Yeah. Um, for this piece of writing I was doing. And so I ended up just like shelving it. Well, uh, we were looking for a show to watch. Right. Amber and I were. Yeah. And I saw that everybody was really talking well about Station Eleven. I'm like, but I cannot do that. I can't watch it prior to having read the book that is literally sitting on my shelf. <laughs> right. So uh, I started reading it last weekend and I am... I think I'm a probably my app tells me I'm about two hours away from finishing oh, it. Nice. So I'm kind of near the yeah. end and I love this book. It's so good. It's uh, it's so human. And, and the thing that is surprising to me about it is it, it doesn't, I mean, it has a lot of the same dystopian themes that you would, you know, you would expect, you know, this, this is about a pandemic that's taken over the world and, yep. you know, a bunch of people are dead and some people have survived and they're making their way through the world, yada, 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 kind of like, modern mm-hmm. america right. um but well, except for more drastic yeah uh it's got a lot of the same things you would expect to see in a dystopian novel but there's a lot of stuff that's just like mm-hmm. conspicuously absent yeah um which is really interesting to me it was like she actually reimagined from scratch what what the aftermath of a a a world altering pandemic would be mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really good. It doesn't have that sort of Walking Dead vibe to right. it, if you know what I'm saying. I love all the Shakespeare um, in it. So it's really good. Oh, yeah, which is amazing. And the orchestra, the Shakespeare, the orchestra, the different forms of art, yeah. um, even like the pop culture mm-hmm. memories. And it, it's just really interesting. So, yeah, that's what I'm I'm reading right now that's bringing more beauty to my life. Nice. And, and it is delivering. And I'm excited to watch the show, yeah. too. So if anybody's watched it, let us know what you yeah. think. Yeah, I want to watch it, too. Kyle and I both have read Station Eleven, and we love it. So I forgot that there's a show. So we're going to have to look into it. 
Cool. Yep, yep. So, Tish, yeah. what are you uh, reading, watching, looking at, playing with, uh, <laughs> bouncing uh, outside your on your basketball court or whatever that is bringing more uh, beauty to your life? Well, because it's... Are you playing basketball? Because that would be weird. That'd be weird if you're actually like I, shooting hoops. I super am not, no. Um, okay, all right. <laughs> I am using... Well, right now I am in that stage that people who are into gardening are in where it's late winter signs of spring and I'm getting fidgety. So in the meantime, I'm looking at seeds and plotting on graph paper and stuff. I don't know if Amber does this at all. Um, yes. Yes. So basically I'm pretend gardening um, before I can actually garden. And I was given this book, speaking of giving, being given books and then not doing anything with them for a while. Um, it's called The Family Garden Plan. The subtitle is Grow a Year's Worth of Sustainable and Healthy Food, and it is by Melissa K. Norris, who I know nothing about, but I looked her up right before we chatted, and she seems like a lovely person. Um, But anyway, it is a great book, and I would say so far it's the most comprehensive thing I have found for someone who wants to do this, wants to grow food for their family, yet um, feels overwhelmed by the whole thing. So this has a lot Mm. of just the practicals, like how to plan and then also how to seed start inside, how to harvest, what to do with that harvest, kind of soup to nuts sort of thing. Um, obviously, I mean, I have not read the whole thing because I just picked it up a few, like two days ago off my shelf and blew the dust off. But I really like it. So I'm going to recommend this book. I haven't fully read, but have flipped through enough to say like, oh, yeah, this is a really good practical book for a gardener who's just doing it for their family um, and actually wants to grow food. So here you go. And what's the name of it? The Family Garden Plan. So pretty. The Family Garden Plan. Pretty straightforward. And she's the host of a podcast called Pioneering Today, which sounds um, very hardcore. So she probably knows what she's talking about. I don't know. But you know who's going to be fine if uh, <laughs> a a Georgia flu epidemic uh, right. breaks out that kills half the world? That's right. We are. Yeah. <laughs> No, not we, Melissa K. Oh, Norris. that's true. That's true. Because at, she's going to be just fine. Totally. Because ultimately, no, I'm not going to um, raise my own meat, nor am I going to do much more than like three vegetables that I know I can grow. Uh, three to five. So. so maybe we'll all tune into her podcast <laughs> and learn how to survive a pandemic yeah. uh, that wipes out half the global population. That's right. Yeah. I never would have thought of how those two books dovetailed together, but you made it happen. Okay. There you go. All right. Well, we are going to wrap up this chat. Before I do, I need to remind everyone that uh, for the next week, when this episode goes out, you can still get 350 bucks off per person to come to Italy with us. So you should do that. If you've been on the fence, you really want to, but you're not sure. Um, I will say that you only need to pay your deposit right now. So if you're feeling that like, but I don't have all the money ready yet, that's okay. You can just pay the deposit and you still can claim that $350 off per person, which I think is really cool. Um, All right. You can find this episode as well as all episodes at adrinkwithafriend.com. Reminder to check out Italy and to support us by uh, picking up the next round of drinks. And you can find the links to do both of those at the show notes of this episode or again at adrinkwithafriend.com. You can find me and how to connect with me at tishoxenwriter.com. How about you, Seth? SethHaines.com or SethHaines.substack.com. That's probably the better one. All right, cool. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Editing is by Kyle Oxenwriter. And I'm Tish Oxenwriter with Seth Haynes. And we'll be back here with you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.